welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning, morning, River Valley Church. Have you had a Merry Christmas? Happy New Year. I am honored to be up here getting to bring the word to you this morning. And I first just want to take a moment to thank Pastor Zeus and our lead pastor, Pastor Rob, for the opportunity to get to share with you today. I truly believe that it's such an honor and such a privilege to get to be up here speaking and communicating to my church family, to people that I get to do life with week in and week out. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gabby O'Rourke. I'm the youth pastor here at the Shockby campus. Um, So I get the opportunity (laughs) to work with our youth students and I absolutely love it. My husband Shane and I, we've been married for three years. Um, He started his own nonprofit last year that he owns and he also works for his dad at the O'Rourke Insurance Agency. And we just welcomed our first child into the world back in September. I could not jump up here and speak to you without first showing you a photo of my family. That in the middle is Brecken O'Rourke, and he is our very chubby three-month-old baby boy who's full of smiles, lots of giggles, and we absolutely love him. But I love this time of year. I love the holidays. I love Christmas, and I love the in-between, between Christmas and the new year, where we look back on the highlights from 2019, and we look forward to see what we want to see God do in 2020. And for my husband and I, I'm sure it's no surprise, our highlight was Brecken. It was having a baby. It was welcoming him in, um, getting to jump into parenthood, which let me tell you, it is a whirlwind. And I never knew how much moms and dads accomplished before 6 a.m. in the morning. It just blows my mind every single day. But we look back on the course of the last year. We look forward into 2020 and we look at what do we want to see happen? What do we want to tweak? What do we want to change after looking at how the last year went? And there's a lot of different highlights that you can look at. People talk about the highlights from their own personal life, some pop culture highlights. Some of my highlights within pop culture this year was Disney Plus coming on the scene. Has anybody downloaded Disney Plus? Here's the deal. Disney Plus gave us the gift that we never knew we needed, which is Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian. And if you have never seen that show, I'm just going to tell you right now, download Disney Plus, watch The Mandalorian, and you will fall in love with Baby Yoda real fast. But there's so many different highlights we can look at. And maybe for you, you're coming into 2020 feeling like you're on a high, the high of your life. You're on a mountaintop. You're saying, I've had an amazing year, incredible family memories, incredible moments at work. Everything is on the up and up for us. And I can't wait for 2020. And maybe some of you are on the other end of the spectrum saying 2019 was a tough year. It was not the year I anticipated. It was not the year that I had marked out and set goals for. And I'm actually kind of struggling to look forward to 2020. But whether you've had a high of a year or a low of a year, we all know that we're creating goals right now. And are there any people in the room where you are a create a goal and give up in a month type of people? I'm not gonna call you out, but I'm just gonna let you know, I am not judging. Working out three days a week, that bullet point, is always on my goals list. And this year, I just decided 
I have a three-month-old baby, and I'm going to cut my losses and admit to myself that the likelihood of working out three days a week is not going to happen for me. And I'm going to call it a win if I pick up a weight in the month of January for me personally. But we have so many goals. We look forward to 2020 with anticipation. And then how many of you know January 2nd rolls around? It's dark. You're going back to work. It's 6 a.m. Your kids are maybe crying in the car. You're running late to get into the office. You have yet to have your coffee and your goal of, I'm going to wake up two hours early. I'm going to work out. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to have all my kids dressed and ready to go is just totally out the window. And you're 24 hours into the new year. And you're going, you know what? It's a win if my kids have brushed their teeth today and make it to school on time. That is a win for me this year. We've all been there. And we know that while creating goals is amazing, I think that when our goals or our year don't look how we want it to look, joy is the last thing pumping through our veins this morning. The last thing. I'm right there with you. This morning, I had a goal. I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to be ready to go. I'm going to have my coffee. And guess what happened? My sweet little three-month-old baby woke me up every two hours, and I was running late, and I didn't have time for my coffee. And I thought to myself, how ironic that I'm preaching about joy, and what a great opportunity to just choose joy today as I sprint into church with bags under my eyes. Here we go. But that's the thing when it comes to joy. We have to choose joy because joy is not seasonal. Joy does not just come around at Christmas. Joy is not only available over the holidays when there's twinkly lights and music in the background and Christmas movies that makes everything look warm and cozy. Joy is available in the dead of winter, in the months of January, when you're exhausted rolling out of bed in the morning. Joy is available always. You see, joy is not a seasonal thing. And the Apostle Paul, he knew this and he didn't just know it, he lived it out. And if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, He was a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. He wrote multiple books within the New Testament. He was radically saved and transformed and went all in in his relationship with Christ. And we read in the book of Philippians what he writes to the church in Philippi. And I love the book of Philippians because it's actually during the time where Paul is in prison in Rome with Silas around AD 61. And as he's in prison, it's not like he was just thrown in jail and he was, he was just chilling there doing his thing. He had been whipped, beaten, flogged. His body was in deep physical pain and suffering. Not only that, but Paul did not know at this time whether or not he would be executed in prison or released. His life, it's hanging in the balance. Yet in all of that, he writes a letter to the church of Philippi, the book of Philippians. And the central theme of this book is contentment and how to find contentment, which is through joy and rejoicing. And we read what he writes to them. And specifically in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Paul writes this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is a beautiful verse. It's a powerful verse. And how many of you know, it sounds really good when life is really good. But when life is not really good, the thought of rejoicing always is a little bit difficult to grasp. 
And I love in the original language of all times, it truly means all times. It truly means whenever life is difficult and whenever life is easy, rejoice. And I love that Paul gives us the why, the how, and the what when it comes to rejoicing. Why can we rejoice? Because the Lord is near. How do we rejoice? Through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, also known as in community and relationship with Christ and God the Father. And what does rejoicing do for us? It guards our hearts and our minds and allows the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to wash over us. And you see, rejoicing and joy, it is a choice that you have an opportunity to step into daily. You cannot control your circumstance. You cannot control your situation. You can control how you respond in the midst of it. You see, joy is not seasonal. It doesn't just come around at Christmas and in the summer. Joy is available always because the presence of God is available always. You see, you weren't created to put Jesus in a storage box and pull him out only at Christmas time. How many of you, December 26th comes around and you're like, the tree is down, ornaments down, lights down, Christmas is over. We are getting back into the swing of things. But Jesus was never intended to be an ornament that we just put on our tree that looks nice over the holidays. Jesus was not created to just be somebody that you hang on your mantle and say, I'm just gonna worship you and know that life is good over Christmas and now I'm back to my normal flow and my normal routine. You see, we live in a really religious area where church is a part of our tradition. It's a part of our lifestyle. It's a part of what we do. Maybe a lot of you grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday. That's amazing. But do not fall into the trap of Jesus being a religion where you just attend church on a Sunday. That's where you worship him. And then you go about the rest of your day. Allow Jesus to be a relationship that you walk in and have your life rooted in where his presence and his spirit walks with you, where his spirit goes before you and joy is available always. You see, joy, it's not seasonal, church. And can I tell you, your circumstance and your situation might not change today. Your circumstance and your situation may not change in 2020, but your spirit can change, and that changes everything. I love what James writes. He echoes what Paul says in Philippians in James chapter one, verse two. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, when you go through difficulty, when you go through struggle, when you go through hardship, what are you supposed to consider it? Pure joy. Why? Because Christ is doing a work within you. He's moving. He's stirring. You get an opportunity to allow perseverance to take hold. And I really believe that that is what biblical joy is. Biblical joy is a persevering joy that is constant and steadfast and available through every trial and through every season you walk through. And as a youth pastor, I get to work with Gen Z. Um, They are a bright generation. They are entrepreneurs. They want to create and publish now. They believe that they don't need a title or a position to influence, but they can step into it here and now through the resources they have. And I love getting to work with Gen Z. 
But Gen Z, they're known as one of the biggest nun generations. What does that mean? It means that if they were to check the box on a religious affiliation, they would not check Christian. They wouldn't check Buddhist, Muslim, any of the options. They would be most likely to check the box that says none. I'm no religion. I don't affiliate with anything. I don't believe in anything. And, and why is that? Some of the top two questions that Gen Z has asked, I love this. Here's what they ask. How is believing in God any different from believing in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny? And if there's an all-loving and an all-knowing God, then why is there so much evil in the world? And can I tell you, one, I love that they're asking those questions and God's not afraid of those questions. He's more than willing to answer what they're asking. But I look at why are they asking that? Why do they believe that Jesus can be chalked up to Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny? Why do they believe that if there's struggle or hardship in life, that Jesus being real and God being real and wanting to move and is faithful is all of a sudden invalid and not true? Why do they believe that? And I don't think that this is the end all be all reason why, but I think it's part of it. I think unfortunately at times we can wrap Jesus in God in a way and present him as if he's gonna come give you blessings and a perfect life and amazing gifts if you're on the nice list. If you do everything perfect, if you attend church X amount of times throughout the year, if you serve X amount of times throughout the year, then your life is gonna look warm and cozy and great. And let me tell you, blessings will come. Happiness will come. Life will look amazing. God will bless you. There are gifts he will pour out. But you see, the promise of scripture is not that life is gonna be perfect. And believe it or not, Jesus does not promise us happiness. But what does he promise us? He promises us that in all things, he will walk with us. He promises us that there will be joy in all seasons to strengthen us. He promises us that there will be the fullness of life, whether or not you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He promises us that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will comfort us and be with us, that in the trials of life, he will be constant. You see, we can't just say that God is invalid because life doesn't look how we anticipated. We have to praise him and thank him that thank you, Jesus, that in the midst of the storm, you are there. And I find joy in that truth this year. You see, during worship, I felt like God just very clearly spoke that joy will be released in your life when control is released. That when you release the control of what you want your life to look to the Lord, joy will be released in your life in the process. See, sometimes your circumstances, totally out of your control. Situation, totally out of your control. But walking with the spirit of God in your life, that you get to do daily. You see, your circumstance may not change this morning. I believe it could change this morning, but I also believe your spirit can change this morning. And when your spirit changes, you begin to think different, act different, see different, speak different. Everything begins to stir and move within you as the spirit of the living God gets infused with your spirit. And once was once dead is brought to life, what was once darkness now has light in it. And your circumstance doesn't look different, but you look different. And there there is joy that radiates no matter what the day or season or year brings. And can I tell you, joy is not just saying, I am so happy that I was diagnosed with this, or I'm so happy that I lost my job. That's not joy. 
But this is what joy is. Thank you, Jesus, that in the midst of losing my job, you are my provider, and I find joy and strength in that truth. Thank you, Jesus, that in the midst of this diagnosis, you are my healer. I find joy and strength in that truth. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of the brokenness in my marriage, you are my reconciler, and I find joy, and I find strength in that truth. Thank you, Lord, that you say you will never leave me or forsake me. I find joy and strength in that truth. That is what joy looks like. Church, joy is not seasonal, and joy was not intended to be put on a box and then put away throughout the rest of the year and only brought out at Christmas. Joy is meant to be here always, constantly full within your life, being poured out over your life, strengthening your life. And when I was a baby, um, I was eight weeks old, and my parents found out that I had um, a circumferential hemangioma. But basically what it was was um, a growth within my trachea and my throat that was getting larger and beginning to cut off my airway. And I can't even imagine what they walked through during that season, seeing that I now have a 14-week-old baby. Can't even imagine that at eight weeks old, we would be putting him in surgery and talking with doctors to figure out what can we do here to help our child, but that's what they walked through as a young couple with a two and a half year old um, daughter named Brittany, my sister, um, and then me having this growth within my throat. And long story short, they were able to remove it, obviously, praise the Lord. Um, But when they removed it, I was put in medically induced coma for a week so I could heal. I had a trach tube in until the age of three years old. I wasn't supposed to get it out until later. And so my mom is, every, every thought is running through her mind of how are we going to put her in school? How is she going to communicate with us the whole bit? There was overnight nurses at our house at night because you couldn't hear me. I couldn't talk. I had to learn how to do a little bit of sign language as a young kid. And that is not a situation that my mom and dad would have ever asked for or said, we would love to walk through that someday. <laughs> That's not something that they were looking for. They didn't ask for it, but it happened. But you know what I've seen in my parents? I've seen a persevering joy and faith through every season. And I really believe it's because they learned what the joy of the Lord looks like through the darkest valley that they walked through with their kids. They learned what the joy of the Lord looks like in the midst of the unknown. They learned what the joy of the Lord looked like in the midst of disappointment and frustration. And they stood firm on the truth of God in the midst of a difficult season. I'm thankful that I grew up with parents that no matter what came at them, their response was, thank you, Jesus, you are our healer. We find joy in that. Thank you, Jesus, you are our provider. We find joy in that. You see, they couldn't control what was going on with me, but they could control how they responded and what they allowed God to do in the process. You see, this morning... I believe God wants to change some of our spirits in this place where it's not about us and how our life looks and the material, but it's focused on him and the eternal. You see, that's where Jesus's joy was found. In John 17, 13 through 7, we actually read in John 17, the longest recorded prayer that Jesus prays before he goes up to be with the father. And who does he pray for? He prays for his disciples. He prays for believers. He prays for you and for I. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a chunk of it in verse 13. This is what Jesus prays. He says, I'm coming to you now, being the father. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, believers, disciples, you and I, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prays, would they have the full measure of my joy within them? You see that word full measure doesn't mean would you be filled partially with joy or would you be filled with just enough joy to get you through your day? That word full measure means that you will be filled until you are overflowing, that the overflowing joy of the Lord will fill you and it will not run out. There's not like there's only 24 hours of joy that you can have today. It's available always, constantly filling you to the brim until you are overflowing. That is the joy that Jesus prayed you would have. And I love that he did not pray that you would be taken out of the world, but you would have his joy in the world and that his joy would strengthen and protect you. And in the process, you'd be sanctified by his truth. You see, biblical joy is rooted in a life marked with Christ, a life rooted in Christ. And what is biblical joy? It's a persevering joy. It's a joy that is there always. It is a joy that brought Jesus all the way to the cross to die for you and for I so that in this moment, we could be filled with his spirit and walk in the fullness of life that he makes possible. That's the joy that Jesus gives us. And we even read about it in Hebrews 12, one through three. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The joy set before him. What was that joy? It was an eternal joy. It was a joy that was fixed on God the Father. It was a joy that knew there is more to come so it's worth the cost of the cross so that in this moment you could walk in freedom. That is a joy that brought Jesus all the way to the cross to die for you and for me. And that is the joy that wants to be poured out on you this morning. Jesus showing up was not the end, but his joy, it continues beyond Christmas. It continues beyond Christmas. And as the worship team comes up, if we're to keep joy at all times, we have to move beyond the Christmas season. You see, Christmas, it brought joy to us through the form of baby Jesus. But the cross sealed joy for us when Jesus died for our sins. It made joy available always. And I really believe as I prayed over today, God, what do you wanna do? What do you wanna speak? Who do you wanna see? I really believe he sees the one in this room, the one who feels like God doesn't see me. God doesn't care. My circumstance hasn't changed. My situation hasn't changed. Maybe you're in this room and you would say, I've been praying for a financial miracle for years and I have not seen it yet. 
I've been praying for healing for months and I have yet to see it. I've been praying for unity in my family. I have yet to see it. And I believe this morning that God is saying, I see you. I know you. I have joy available for you. Your circumstance might not immediately shift, but your spirit can shift and that will change everything, church. Not only that, but I believe there's people in this room where you have not walked in joy because you haven't been walking with Jesus. Jesus has maybe been just a tradition. He's been a religion. He's been somebody that you've decided to hang on your mantle, your Christmas tree. But this morning he's saying, would you walk with me? Would you get rooted in me? Would you follow me? I look at what my life was like before I went all in with Christ, void of everything that God gives. And as soon as I went all in, my spirit changed in a moment. Joy available always, hope in the midst of anything, life and life to the fullest, peace that surpasses all understanding. And maybe you're in this room and you would say, that is the last thing I feel. That's because you need Jesus to fill that place. The material will not fill it. A relationship will not fill it. A job promotion will not fill it. Financial prosperity will not fill it. There will always be something more that you need in your life. But when you have Jesus, you have everything you need. You can have nothing and have everything at the same time. And that is where your joy comes from. 